So thank you guys for joining another episode of the Key Chat. Today I have a very special guest. I have Miss Dolores E. Jordan. And me and Miss Dolores, we're going to talk about something that means something extremely special to me, and that is dealing with mental health, suicide, and how we can prevent it, and how we can just have an open conversation right. about this. As we know, we look in media right now and just look at the news. A lot of people are suffering in silence. And we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation on maybe some things we can do to help people. Ms. Dolores is an author, a speaker, a minister, a realtor, an advocate. She's done so much. And she currently has a book right now called Please Don't Jump. You are stronger than your situations. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to speak with you. So I want to dive in. And I know you're really transparent just about the things that you've experienced. And again, I know we were having some conversation before we started recording just about suicide and how it's affecting a lot of people right now. So I wanted to ask you, with the things that you've experienced, what inspired you to go ahead and write this book and to help others? Because, you know, a lot of people are suffering in silence. And I know that it couldn't have been easy for you to share this story with others. So what inspired you to start off to help others? You know what? I cannot take credit for this book. I wrote it. Yes, I did. But when God put it in my mind and do it, I like you want me to write about what? Lord, I don't know anything about suicide. I only know my experience with it, you know. And so he said, and that's what I want you to write about, because I want them to know that if I can save you, I can save anybody. Mm. And so that is how I got here. And at the end of the day, um, I tried suicide three times. And the last time I literally made a checklist of all the things to do to get it right. Mm. And um, what I came to learn ultimately, Sharonda, you can't even kill yourself if God won't let you, you know, where he says of your own, you could do nothing. When I woke up in the intensive care at the hospital, I recognize, and I woke up and still being alive in this world, I was mad. <laughs> and so in my anger at that point, it turned to God, why I didn't think about him before to the point of believing that he could keep me here. I don't have any explanation. You know, we don't think about God until, you know, we find ourselves in situations and then you say, Lord, if you help me, I will. And you start making those declarations there. But when I woke up and I recognized how strategic I had been in dying and still to find myself among the living. And then two days later, one of our politicians here in Pennsylvania dropped dead on the campaign trail. I was hot because here's a man that wanted to live mm -hmm. and you took him. And here I am trying not to live and you leave me. 
So at that point, I'm, I'm curious, what do you see in me? And so that had been my journey to, you know, coming along until I got to the book. And so when God um, spoke to me about doing the book, I had been writing, you know, I wrote another book initially, the one that was the beginning of my writing that made me kind of look at my life for what it was and not for what the world thinks it is and not what the stereotypical idea of what it is, but what the reality of it was and to make peace with that. And when I went out on that, you know, tour, I met so many people who could identify with my pain and you kind of think it's only you. And to other people start saying, thank you so much for writing this book, you know, change the name, take out the Michael Jordan part of it. And it's my story. And to hear that repetitively, you kind of recognize you're not alone. This is happening more than you could even, than you even knew. So, um, so with the second book, it was going to be like a follow-up, like 20 years later about where I am now and how God used that book to, you know, help heal me. And so as I, and so I've been writing on my second book or several books, I should say several, I have so many manuscripts started. And so, um, this particular book, as I was, I was on a trip with my daughters for my, um, 60th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was gonna, you know, I rented a convertible and I thought I was gonna cruise to co you know, the, um, Arizona and just drop the top and ride for a week. And God made me sit down and write this book. And it was on suicide, so far from what I was focusing on. And that was 2019. We went into COVID Mm. and all the things that has come since then and how mental health has become a big issue now and how more and more suicide, people are committing suicide more and more. Who would know that all of this was going to happen but our God Mm -hmm. and so I didn't know that though when he had me writing this book like you want me to write about what but Lord why suicide and now I get it so that's what this book is and it's written to those who are contemplating or those who just some days just want to throw in the tile and it reminds them that God knows he knows your name Mm -hmm. he knows exactly where you are and he has a purpose greater than what we can see. You know, sometimes when you're down in the middle of the forest, you can't see over the trees. So when you're in it, it just seems burdensome and um, difficult. Right. And so that is basically what this book talks about, trying to encourage them in the midst of their pain and to not give up. Mm. Now, I know in your intro, I did not mention who your brother is because I wanted you to have that to yourself. But as you mentioned, your brother is Michael Jordan, who we all know, the NBA legend. One thing that through my research of you, you've been really transparent about things that you experienced in your upbringing, in your childhood, just the struggles that you had to go through. And of course, you know, living in that shadow, which is, of course, about your first book. But just the truth, just the strength that you went through in telling your truth. And I wanted to ask you, how did you navigate that? Because it's one thing to live in someone's shadow and also not have this perfect childhood that people may have assumed, you know, you would have had, but you also put your truth out there for your own healing. And I know it could not have been easy. 
how has that how was that experience and how is it now because i know it couldn't have been easy oh it was um it was so difficult and i that's part of my escaping part of my suicide escaping is that knowing that i was going to i didn't know how to coexist in the world that god birthed me into you know i didn't ask to be michael jordan's sister he didn't ask to be my brother and we could not have known growing up where God was going to take the family. But God knew who we were going to be. He said, because before your ending, before your beginning, I already know your ending. So there is nothing that caught God by surprise. But he didn't clue me in. And so um, Michael's four years younger than me. And so by the time Michael got in the NBA, I'd already had issues that I was struggling to, I can't even say maneuver. I didn't even know what to do with them and nobody and, and nobody talked about them. And so when the NBA came along, if they weren't good to talk about before the NBA, you know, they can't be talked about now. And yet this is who I'm waking up every day. I know what the world expected. I know what the family expected. I know what the, you know, the, the marketing aspect of it expected. I know what the sociological, you know, expectations were, but they weren't my truths. And so I found one day, and I can't say I say one day, but over a span of years, um, who am I? Who am I really? Because I'm, um, yes, I'm Michael's sister, but I'm also a person, and I'm a mother, and I'm a daughter. And I'm broken and I'm, you know, I'm trying to raise kids and I'm depressed and I'm suicidal and I'm all of those things. And so when God started me on the thing about this book, the first book, you know, it came from a journalist. Mm -hmm. I always journaled when we got in, when things in the NBA became so heavy or just the expectations or just life in general. I just journal because you can't talk to people so easily because it makes news, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and people sell your stories and they put their own little spin. I heard some things about, I had comments about my brother and Vanessa Williams, like who, you know, <laughs> like what? So, you know, people put their own spin to make you pick up that paper, to make you pick up that book. And so I journaled. And so when a, um, when a journalist calls, out of the blue, my phone number is, was private. And she reached out to ask if I would be willing to do a book on how great it is to be Michael Jordan's sibling. I'm like, you got the wrong one of us. You need to be, I'm not the right person for this. You know, I literally said, I'm not the person for this. I'm not, I, I can't tell the story that everybody else would probably want to hear because it's not my story. And she was persistent. And she said, we can tell it any way you want to tell it. We, we, you know, I said, well, no, you don't understand. My story is not that good a good story. It is so much different. But I started down the road. She convinced me and I started down the road doing it. And we bickered. You know, she wanted to make it more sensationalized than I was interested in. And I literally wrote our attorney a email saying why I could not do this project. 
And he came back and said, Dolores, you wrote so well, you could do it yourself. We're like, you're crazy. <laughs> I can't write a book. And so that kind of like started. But what it actually was, was the catalyst that God used to make me start dealing with, confronting it, good, bad, or indifferent. This is your life. You can't run from it. Own it. And then let's get you healed. So writing became very um, therapeutic for me. I cried a lot through that book. It took me 10 years. Well, a little. Well, I've been journaling all the way. So from the time I literally put it out, it's probably about nine years. But I've been going through the turmoil or who am I for a long time. So the book, that book, um, In My Family Shadow, allowed me to take off all the the expectations of everybody else mm -hmm. and start dealing with what was the authentic me. And it freed me in ways that um, I had not anticipated. I don't know that I had any real anticipation because some of my family say the world is going to eat you up and spit you out because Michael's God, you know. And yet I had to trust what God was doing so I had to turn my ears, mute my mute everybody's voice, and just hear God. Because everybody had their reason for why. And some of the reasons weren't healthy for me. But I wanted, God was the one who kept me here. So I need to understand why he, and so he helped me face my life. And so facing my life was not pretty. It was not without consequences. I, it was not without a great amount of pain, but it also gave me foundation to know that I would be all right because what had been holding me hostage, don't hold me hostage anymore. Mm. And then I get to use it. I get to use my negative experiences for positive experiences in other people's lives. Mm. I get to speak to them where they are a lot of times people want to know that they're not the only one, you know, because it's, it's such a, I mean, our life can be so lonely because unless other people acknowledge their difficulties, you think some of the things you're going through, you're the only one going through it. And then when you start meeting other people and they are appreciative for where for what you're saying, because they can identify. And um, I once checked myself into, um, I called emergency room, and it's mm -hmm. in the book, and talks very honestly about calling the emergency room, asking, can somebody help me? And that was in between my first and second suicide attempt. And I was trying hard not to turn to suicide again, because I was a mother, I had two toddlers. Um, so I called the emergency room and um, and the doctor said, come in, let us help you. And then it becomes, I can't come in. You don't understand the family I'm in and you don't understand the blowback I'm gonna get, whatever. But ultimately I ended up going in and participating in group therapy. And oh my God, the, um, the appreciation that I have for that even today, being able to, watch other people talk about how empty they felt, mm -hmm. how desperate they felt, how 
how much hurt they were feeling and to know that, oh, well, I'm not the only one. I didn't even know that what my dad was doing to me was abuse until I got there. I didn't know a name for it. I know I didn't feel comfortable with it. And I know it always puzzled me. How did we get there? What made him think it was all right? And I was a daddy's girl, but I didn't have a name for it. And then when I got there, I was introduced to other people who had had similar experiences and there was a name, you know, and it was abuse or incest or molestation, whatever you want to call it. But I, that's when I got there. So Imagine that story being coupled with Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. And he didn't choose it. Right. I didn't choose it either, but he didn't choose it. And Michael's four years younger. So when at the crest of all that happening, he's so much younger than me. He didn't know where his life was going to take him. So, but God always has a plan. And if we just learn to trust him. You know, people say you can't put that on God, but I don't, it's not putting it on God. It's allowing God, allowing it. Cause you know, he could change anything that he doesn't want to happen. He can change it. And so he allowed it. And, and it, now I understand it because once I did that book and then once I went out, I met so many other Doloreses mm. that it makes sense. I get to speak life into their situation and let them know you can survive it. Something you said that struck me is when you said you met other Doloreses, because when you're dealing with trauma, as you mentioned, you think you're the only one that's dealt with it. Right. It doesn't seem normal that other people have gone through the same thing. It doesn't matter. You know, you can pull up a, you can open a book and read about other people, but it just still doesn't feel the same. You just don't think other people have your same experience. And that adds to the isolation, that adds to shame, guilt, and of course, depression when you're struggling with trauma because you can't process it. Trauma is not something that you really are supposed to handle. You know, like you can't process trauma that's why it's traumatic because it wouldn't make any sense if we could just say okay this is why this is happening that's not yeah. how pain works but as you mentioned just finding that purpose behind the pain that is the true quest in order to make things make sense so with everything that you experience how was it just juggling because in order to tell your story and especially because certain things that you experience telling your story it's not for everyone to understand, as you discussed. In addition, there's a possibility that it could, you know, when you tell your truth, it could hurt some people or you can deal with some people that just don't want to hear it or another terrible factor that I feel like a lot of people that have experienced abuse have gone through. There really are groups of people that are like, well, this needs to be private. They don't process the fact that you have a right to tell your truth. So they'll try to maybe gaslight you, make you feel bad. Like, well, you shouldn't discuss that. Even if this did happen, it's supposed to stay private, it's supposed to stay in this household. So for other people that's going to tune in, because a lot of people, like you said, there's a lot of other Doloreses right. out there that have gone through something and they want to tell their truth, but they're struggling because once you tell the truth, it could possibly hurt people. So what would you say to those people who they want to tell their truth, but they're struggling with how are the people going to react? What are they going to, what are they going to tell me? Are they going to tell me this needs to be private? What do you say to those people? 
Oh, I heard that. I heard um, you are, you know, dishonoring your family. You're dishonoring your father's memory. Um, you're, you know, you're, you know, um, some point of like it, you're doing your brother a disjustice or you riding on his coattail, all those different things. But here's the thing is all of those people have a right to live their life however they choose. We have a right to live our life as well. And I, we have a right to live our life as healthy as we can. And so what you find is a lot of people that try to hold you down want you to keep their image intact or keep them from dealing with some of the, the reality. Because if nobody deals with reality, we can all stay in fantasy land, you know, or we can all keep that 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 image going or we can satisfy a lot of the people who are looking towards us and have you know put us on a pedestal or idolized but how does that help you you know and i had to learn that god gave you know he gave each one of us our life and it was for us to be the best specimen of his creation as we could be and that means for me it meant Stop listening to what everybody else wants you to be and learn to be who God wants you to be and, and believe that whoever that person is, is going to be the best person you can be because God doesn't make any junk. You know what I mean? And so um, realizing that we have a purpose. Um, I have this thing in, the, in my last chapter in this book, and I love it so much because it is what we do so often. And it's, uh, it deals with a hammer and a window. And I was using a hammer to prop open my window that was broken. Now, was either one, think about it. Did their creator create them to operate in that capacity? Was a hammer just created a prop open window? Or I was just doing it because it was easy. I wasn't fixing the window. I wasn't giving it any attention to find out why it was broken and why it wasn't operating correctly, functioning like it was supposed to. I was just making a, taking the quickest fix I could. And it was, it was working and it didn't matter that. They, so I said, I looked at it and said, what would the creators think about how I was using their product? The hammer wasn't made to, to just lean monotony against the window. It was made to be a powerful instrument in the hands of those who could appreciate it. The window is broken. So how many times are we living and operating in space that we weren't created to, you know, it's not living our best life and living our best life. You know, we're in such an idolatry society where living our best life is thought to be about money, yeah. thought to be about status. I'm flying with my brother on private jets. I'm still trying to kill myself. Mm. I own my home, got two beautiful kids, a husband. I'm still trying to kill myself. So the things that we put on us to prove that we are competent or and try to be confident in are very sometimes the very things that are killing us because we're trying to fit into what everybody else thinks we ought to do. I met Bishop Jakes one day and he Something he said, said a square is not supposed to fit into a circle. So the more, no matter how much we try to make and mold it, a circle is meant to fit into a spot, 
created for a circle and square likewise. So um, for those who find themselves, um, there's this, this woman I met speaking at an event, I think I was in North Carolina and she was 82 years old. And this woman has had so much of a profound effect on me because after I finished speaking, she came over and tears was rolling down her eyes and she put her hands on my face and she just cried and she said, can I kiss you? Like, yes, ma'am. Well, her tears were, she had been abused at 15 and she had carried it 67 years for the good of her mother and, and family. And she was crying and she thanked me for not mimicking her choices. And what is clear about that is the tears that was coming is because there's still things in this woman she has not accepted or dealt with. And she says, I'm going to take it to my grave. And I know I'm going to take it to my grave, but I hope I'm so proud of you that you're not choosing my fate. And so I look at her and it didn't matter, well-dressed, very articulate, but still broken. 67 years later, her, it still brings her to tears. That's a long time to hurt for something that requires you just to, you know, uh, Alcohol Anonymous says you can't begin working on your problem until you acknowledge that you have a problem. So as I was writing the first book, God kept saying, you can't heal from the things you can't acknowledge. You can't heal from the things that you're running from. So he made me stand still and own it. And I did it to the dismay of my family. I did it. They weren't happy. But I had young, I had little kids that deserve a healthy mother. So I could do what everybody wanted me to do and be broken. And keep in mind, when I was not talking, I was trying to kill myself. I am free today and I don't try to kill myself. I have learned to have a good life and a good life, get away from the money. Good, good life is getting up and being grateful. Very, very grateful for the life that I have. I got to meet my grandchildren. I got to meet my, see my daughter get married. I got to see my son get married. I got to meet our grandchildren. Just met my great grandson. I mean, come on, if I committed suicide. And so learning that, oh, wow, I can, I really can have a good life. And I didn't know that when I was trying to commit suicide. I wanted, I thought everybody would be better if I just left. And while some people might, where would they have left my children? So it, you know, we have to change, for me, changing the narratives on my experiences helped me be able to deal with my experience. I'm not the first one. I'm not the only one. And I can use that negative for a positive in somebody else's life. They don't have to choose suicide. Here's a walking, talking specimen, testament of somebody who was there, who faced the brokenness, learned how to overcome, and then live with it. And the things that used to hold me captive, oh my God, 
Look, I used to I'll tell you this. I used to could get depressed and lose weight. No effort, just lose weight. Mm -hmm. Can't get depressed and can't lose weight. How about that? <laughs> you know, just the things that used to make me depressed would just, I could just not. I mean, to the point where time, my mom said, you could, I could see your bones. Running a small business can be very hard. Entrepreneurs wear so many hats. Marketer, appointment setter, content creator, consultant. If you're still running your small business on your own, you've just created another job for yourself. Hire help today. Scale your business, attain more clients, and generate more revenue. Let FlexPro Staffing Solutions build your business by hiring a virtual assistant at an affordable cost. And now, yeah, no, you know, but it's all good. Now, I wanted to talk to you about some of the statistics that we talked about before we started recording. And again, I think also, you know, what some people don't understand is there's different chapters, there's different levels to suicide, yeah. as we were talking about before recording. There's suicide ideation. And sometimes you just have the thought in your mind. You not you may not necessarily have a plan involved, but you just think, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. Or like you mentioned, sometimes people think, well, maybe this would make things better if I wasn't here for other people, you know, that I'm dealing with, or if you're going through some problems. And sometimes you just want to sleep and not wake up. There's so many different thought processes. Just having an ideation. Then there's of course the next chapter, which you do have that plan. Like, okay, I'm going to make this attempt to not be here. So I wanted to talk to you about the statistics that we discussed before we started recording, because just even there's a lot of high profile cases where a lot of people, you know, that we've seen have committed suicide or their loved one. And it's such a heartbreaking thing. And as we discussed as well, there's, there's of course, there's a billions of other people. It's not gonna hit the news. People right. that we don't know of, but people that may be connected to us they may not have gone through it, but they have a story because someone close to them may have committed suicide. So I wanted you to break down those numbers that you and I discussed before we recorded. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I, I, I which we were talking about, the fact that I'm going to be doing a 50,000 book giveaway. Um, and why 50,000 and why giveaway? Um, and I will be asking your, your, your viewers and everybody else to help me do this because Last year in the U.S., worldwide, 703,000 people committed suicide, literally took their life. 703,000 people. And 400, no, 49,449 of them was in the U.S. And so we don't think about how staggering that number is. That's like 
50,000, almost 50,000 people committed suicide last year. And the World um, Health Organization and the CDC says three times that many attempted suicide. So went beyond contemplating it, actually took the steps. I talk very candidly. I tried three times. And so they literally, and we don't know the ones, the 49,000 or the 700 and 3,000. We don't know how many times they tried before they were successful in it. And so for me, giving the way the book is my way um, to say, you know, it, hurting people won't necessarily walk into a bookstore and buy a book. They don't think that way. And sometimes the, the greatest pain, you're looking for immediate, something immediately to hold on to. And so I'm hoping, you know, I am giving away to 50,000, hoping that, um, and when we're doing it, that it'll land in the hands of those who were so close and yet um, it's not costing them anything to read it. It's a quick read and it speaks specifically to know, them knowing that they are worthy of living their life and they're, you know, and they have so much more to offer that I'm doing this now when if I had succeeded, I would not be here and would not have known the benefit that could come from being here. So for those who may be contemplating it, if I can get them to think past this moment right now of what's hurting them so bad and give themselves the opportunity to live out their story, they will very well may find out have an appreciation too for life like I now have it, you know? And so the numbers, we don't think about suicide and, um, and the news don't talk about it unless it's somebody famous. But there's talking like there's 11, you know, almost every minute somebody is committing suicide somewhere in the world. And why it's not our family member the way it's going because it's growing in a black and brown community. Um, the way it's going it's just a matter of time if we don't do something to give them some hope. So my book can't save anybody. You know, I don't have that power to save anybody. I do have the ability to speak hope into them and to let them, and you know, again, um, let them see somebody and read somebody and, and that has experienced moments of darkness that also drove them to to suicide but also to understand and read how yeah i did i was there and i struggled and i didn't want to be here and yet once i came to understand that god was so intentional with giving us life and he has such greatness in store for us to give us our, ourselves gift ourselves that opportunity to learn all that we can be with the life God has given us. So that is what I'm hoping will um, get people to who may be contemplating to step back and 
and you know deal with whatever the issue is but deal with it in a way that is not so final suicide is final there's no coming back from that so yeah and the numbers the numbers are horrific we talk about murders we know that but suicide is growing among us too mm-hmm. and that people embrace suicide when they're without hope so how do we give them back hope and so that is, and, and everybody i think that have experienced a loved one that have um, committed suicide wish they could ha- go back undo and they would spend a little more time pay a little bit more attention you know not dismiss what they're feeling and try to um try to help them come out of that tunnel of darkness right, right. so that's me now i want to ask you you know with everything that you've gone through you, like so you have you've had three attempts and now you have all this joy and you mentioned group therapy i wanted to ask you what how was the healing process though because i know it's a lot like so i've dealt with depression i still deal with depression how did you go from not wanting to be here to where you are now where you appreciate life so much like what was that process like because i know it's like it's not easy when you go through these moments of darkness and a lot of us get tired where you you just start thinking like what if i wasn't here anymore like you want some level of peace and sometimes it's hard to process that you can have peace here amongst the living. So where did, how did you get to that point? I honestly, and this is probably one of the hardest things that we have to do is we have to turn off the noise. You know, so many people have so many opinions about what other people ought to be doing with their life or how they want to be living. And if we're not careful, we feed into it. Be, I mean, depending on what our job is, we might have to look confident. We might have to pretend like we're confident because our job, is, or, or we tend to think our job is requiring that of us, or our, you know, our friendships are requiring that of us, or or our family, our associations. And in and truth being told, you're living for everybody else, and you're dying to yourself. And so I, it, some people would deem it selfish because it's like, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. But at some point it does really have to be about you because give you a good example. If you had a gunshot wound, somebody shot you, are you going to listen to everybody about whether or not you go see the doctor or will their opinion? Can they say anything to you at all that would keep you from going to get some help for that injury? Mm. Is there anything? Mm. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing? And so if there's nothing that would stop you from getting help for that part of your body, for that injury, why not get help for the mental part, the Mm. struggles? How is... Keep, keep in mind this, if you cut off your finger in an accident, you still can function. If your mind goes, you might be here, 
but you're not mindful of it. Why not give, why not get some help for the things that we can get help for? And people would say, well, what did your brother say? You know, funny because they tend to think he's God. I mean, he's a great athlete. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of his accomplishments, but honestly, he is not my God. Right. And I would say, why do I need to ask him to be who God created me to be? He didn't ask me, could he go play basketball? He didn't ask, he didn't inquire me whatsoever. So why can't I go be whoever I'm supposed to be? And that again is turning off the noise of what everybody else thinks and learning how to dwell in the life that the only life I can control to a sense. And even that, like say, I was trying to commit suicide and my hands was tied with that. But what say I do have it is why not go get help to be the best person I can be. So yes, we get depressed. I would say, think about the reasons, what's depressing you? What's depressing you? And the things that are depressing you, are they things that you have to have to exist? Mm-hmm. And then if you have to have them to exist, what about them are hurting you? And how do we stop? How do you stop that hurt? Because, you know, um, children, you know, you parent, our kids will do things. We can't cut them off. But we can't address the things that they are doing that's bringing pain, not just pain to us, but pain to themselves, because sometimes they don't know what they don't know. But outside person, a person who you don't have to necessarily have in your space and they are inflicting pain to be, then what good are they to you if they're making you hurt? And I mean, that could be, doesn't have to be a, um, it doesn't have to be a man or woman. It could be friends. You're trying to live up to their expectations or colleagues, or if you're going to work every day on a job that you are miserable in, is that income that you're getting there really worth that? Because I have grown in my life to where, you know, I, I have, far less than what I had, but then I have far more than I I had, if that makes sense. Materialistically, I'm not riding on private jets, but I am not killing myself. And I go anywhere I wanna go on a commercial flight. (laughs) My travels didn't stop. They actually, I I travel quite a bit now, Mm -hmm. but I'm happy in my travels because I'm getting to be who I am wherever I go. And that's a freedom that has no price. You can't buy it. I know people think you can, you got money, you know, people running to get more money, not realizing there's a cost to everything. And so you just have to choose um, to what extent you're willing to pursue your wellness, your mental wellness. And then if if it's important enough to you, 
then you turn a deaf ear to everybody is who says you're not entitled to it because you are. You said something, so many valuable things because it's really, sometimes it really boils down to, as you said, is this worth my life? You know, because there's so many factors sometimes in our lives that it's it's literally draining us and it causes that depression. It causes that hopelessness. It's a job or it's a person. It's things that we can walk away from, but at the time we can't process that. Okay, I can't leave this job if it's draining me this much, I can get a new set of circle, a new circle, you know, if it's stressing me this much to the point where I'm questioning my value or my self-worth sometimes, you know, but like I said, in our minds, it's like a maze. You can't figure a way out of it. And that's the part that just, you, you find yourself in a circle on a rabbit hole. And it's so hard to navigate when you just can't decipher, how do I get out of this? I wanted to round everything out. Like I said, you have, you're so transparent and I just love how you have this joy and you don't have any hesitation and just letting people know, hey, at one point I didn't have this, but I do have it now because as you said, it's gonna help and it has helped so many people because we do live in a dark time right now. It's, it's a lot of hopelessness and a lot of us are struggling to find some light and it helps when you can have a conversation and talk to someone who they're not just throwing words at you, but they have a true testimony. Like this is the test of my testimony. This is the mess in my message. And this is where I'm at now. I wanted to round out everything by asking you, with everything that you've gone through, how did you get to a point of that self-value I talk about in addition to mental health, I do talk about self-love because I feel like that is the fuel for us to know that there is some, I, you can, you are worthy of joy. You're worthy of appreciating your life. You're worthy of having some gratitude. You're worthy of happiness. What does self-love mean to you and what role has it played where you're at right now with this, with the, with the joy that you have? Oh, wow. You know, um, one of the things I had to learn, and it was, um, it was a learning process, is we're so quick to think that God gave everybody else blessings and didn't give us blessings. You know, we're so quick to look over and say, well, why they can do this or that one can do that. And Lord, look how where I am. And then when you we give a true accountability and take true inventory of where we are not looking at everybody else just looking at us and say okay so what does it take for me to like me because for me i had to learn to like me and learning to like me there were so many things that made me not like me because i have been victimized in one way or the other by other people who were insecure and cast their insecurity on me, you know, and uh, or broken in their own way. You know, I used to say when I used to, I, I, daddy's girl, didn't know. I thought my dad loved me. I love my dad. But when I, the reality of his loving me was so unhealthy that later I said, well, did he love me for me? Or did he love me because of what he was doing to me? No child should have to question that, you know, but I had to question that. 
and and I had to like you know what does that say about me? Am I not ver you know well worthy of being loved for just me? And so I had to go through all of that and learn what about me did I not like? And then what would make me like, what would I have to do to like who I was and who I am? And so I had to take off all the, um, I can't say the roles. Well, yeah, the roles everybody else wanted me to be and say, okay, who are you today? Who do you want to be? Okay. And what does it take for you to be that person? In some cases, I stopped taking phone calls. Mm. Didn't want to hear what nobody else thought. Because, you know, the, the coming in your mind and working with, well, I think you want to do this. Well, I think it, now you could be so set on what you thought until that phone call came. And then you're spinning all over again. So, no, I, I stepped away and I stopped taking phone calls and I stopped hearing everybody and I start worrying about what everybody else needed. What do I need? What I And it wasn't like, what do I need in such a way that I could hurt them? It's what do I need so I don't hurt me or anybody else? And so I started just spending time with me and doing, I needed, I want a therapist. I found me a therapist. I, I don't need anybody to tell me whether or not I should go to a therapist or not. I, you know, I found books. I, I'm an avid Bible reader. You know, is Bible is confusing, you know. And so I went and got the student Bible so I could understand what I was reading. And it was, you know, a conversation for me and God. Because God, you gave me this life and you won't let me leave it and you won't let me escape it. And you made my brother who he is and you put my family where he is and you know I was in it. And all, all of those things, giving God back all the things that I know that he had put me in the midst of it. Now you need to show me how to handle this. Mm. And it was a process. It was a process. Do I need to hold on to a materialistic at the expense of my peace? Mm. At the expense, I go as far to tell you, I lost every single thing. Everything. Everything, I, you know, house, everything. No, Michael didn't take it, <laughs> you know, some of it. But I lost so much of it that you start saying, well, Lord, I don't understand, you know, even in a, um, a storage bin, I lost furniture that I collected all the years. I lost my children birth certificates. I lost my children, you know, baby pictures and da 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 da, da. And, I was, and I'm serving him. Mm -hmm. I am talking about him. I'm literally getting on a plane, going into places I never went with $17 in my pocket. My girlfriend said, who does that? I said, this is what I'm on my Abraham journey and this is where God has me going. I went. He met me there. When he took all, when when I found myself with all my things gone, and my children's birth certificates and my the childhood memorabilia and whatever, I couldn't get off the floor for three days. Cause God, I'm talking. I'm I'm literally on the road talking about you, and you letting me be stripped down and not. And I went into this pity thing, and I said, you even took my children, you know, member baby memorabilia and da 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 da. da. And the way he spoke to me was, you silly woman. I took all the things that hold you to your past. Mm. I could have left you the memorabilia and took your children. Mm. I stopped crying because that is so true. Mm -hmm. I got up and I actually got up saying, I got up mad with him. 
Okay, well, you done took everything. I don't care now. You can have this life. Yeah, though you slay me, I'm still going to trust you. And what he gave me back over the years that is not tied to any man, no man, just him giving, saying, you can trust me. Oh, yeah, I'll trust until I die. So mm -hmm. I, so if I have to tell you any one thing, it is tap back into your creator so you can see what he created you to be and let go of all the other people because if your creator don't wake them up, they don't wake up. Mm -hmm. So why hold on to them when you got him? Mm. Make sense? Yes, 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 yes. It's okay. Sharon, it's okay to be you. Mm -hmm. It's so okay to be you. And he made you to be you. And you don't have to have everybody else to be you. You just have to know it's all right being you, even at the expense of letting everybody else go. Mm. That's me. I agree. I love it. And it's, it's something, it's something that it's just something else that you mentioned that too, because I was literally singing that in my head from Ty Tribbett. So he's claiming me yet. Well, I trust him. So that was confirmation that you said that. And, you know, this is something that I've just been feeling lately when there's a lot of distractions happening in your life that just, you can't think which way to go. That's when you need more him and less them, you know, I Whatever it is, that's just, you can't think straight. That's when you know it's time for more God in your life. And you got to remove yourself or reduce whatever this other junk is happening, whether it's people, whether it's just any type of distraction. It has to be more him and less them. So I definitely appreciate what you just said. And again, I'm just happy we were able to have this conversation because suicide is something that, you know, for people of color, there's still a lot of taboos behind it, right. no matter what, you know. And Though we see it happening. We right. see it happening more and more among us. Right. But it's them, you know, until it touches us personally, it's them, you know. You know at one point, a lot, a lot of people say, oh, Black people don't commit suicide. We don't do that. Oh, yes, we do. Our numbers are growing. Right. It, I, I, you know, uh, it used to be that we had... We were a low majority. We still low compared to the non-blacks, but our numbers are growing and they're growing among our young men. Mm -hmm. We don't think that, but in, um, I mean, if, if, and all of my information that I'm saying here, they can go, I, I invite people to go out and, and research it and see just so we can see how much more often we are, you know, Brown and black people are starting to see suicide as an escape. And one of the things I say to my youngest daughter, say to all my kids, but definitely my youngest daughter is there's always Satan's on one side and God is on the other. There is no middle ground. And so, you know, what is Satan going to do? He's always going to try to distract us from becoming that person God wants us to be. So he's going to throw all those monkey wrenches in there to keep us distracted, keep our minds bogged down, keep us doubting ourselves, think, keeping us feeling unworthy of a better life or thinking that we need all of those other things. To, and, you know, when we think about how many people are in a hospital today that won't walk out and they have money in their account, they may have big houses. 
We saw people go to the end of down submarine. Didn't matter how many billions they had. You know, um, sadly, we, we saw Kobe get on a helicopter. You know, didn't matter how much money he had. So after a while, let go of all of that stuff and learn how to be whoever, wherever you are. I say this with all sincerity and people who know me know I'm, you know, I'm very transparent. So I talk very candidly about my life. Um, I have learned to be happy right where I am. And I can literally stay in the house all week and not go outside. And, my, and it drives my kid. Like, you been out today? No, I like me. I don't have to. I'm not running from me. I, I can go shopping. I could go do whatever. I got a car. got a house. Got bank accounts. Got money. But I like me. So I don't have to go and do all of that stuff to try to, you know, make myself feel better. And that, to me, is an accomplishment like no other. I mean... Where I am, um, one of the things I came to learn, pain don't last always. And where I am today, I didn't see it. I couldn't, I didn't know I could get here. I didn't know what here was, but I'm here now. And I'm not sacrificing it from no, there is nobody in my life I gotta have to the extent of losing my peace. Right. No, baby. You owe it to yourself. So think about the things that are depressing you. And think about what... I'm honestly going to say, get rid of anything that's not bringing you joy. That does not mean every single day you're going to... There are some days I don't feel like getting out of bed. And, okay, I choose a lifestyle that says... I can get out of bed today or I can stay in bed today. If I choose, you know, I get up more than I stay in, but my lifestyle is of such that I can do that because I am not trying to live in the bubble of everybody else thinks I ought to be in. I live in a bubble that's comfortable for me that if I, at the end of the year, my 84 year old aunt and I am her daughter, we're going to go and do New Year's in another country. We do it every year. We've been doing it for the last four or five years from Dubai to Bangkok this past year. Mm. We stay three, four weeks until we get tired. Yeah, I have, a, you know, being a real estate agent allows me to do that. Mm -hmm. But I don't live in a million dollar house either. Mm -hmm. So which one is more important to me? That kind of freedom? Or do I need a house? And I'm not knocking anybody that does. I'm just saying, determine what works for you and then tweak your life accordingly. Make sense? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. And I really, like I said, I know that anyone who's going to listen to this conversation and especially I hope they take the next step and get in your book, even if they go to your website and read some of the things that you have on there, I think it would really touch them because, again, when you're going through something, our brains aren't created to process during trauma or during a trial like that. It is going to get better. You know, we have that type of maturity. A lot of us would be in a different position. 
but just to it's important to have an example to see someone that will say hey i was at the bottom and right. this is where i'm at now i right. think we we minimalize the importance of hearing people's testimony sometimes you know and i think because we live in a society that is so negative when right. you have people that are being positive like there's this thing where people want to try and find something wrong oh it's fake it's not true everyone has a past you know you, you could be the grimiest at the lowest in your life at one point you could be totally crystal clean right now and just be in a whole different position you speak differently you talk differently you walk right. differently because you're in a new life you're in a new life and here's the thing i say all the time to people people ask me what would i tell a person who's contemplating suicide in the deepest of the night what are they doing go to sleep mm. rest your brain because at that point a lot of times about suicide comes when you're at your weakest moment and you're saying i need to just I need to run, I need to escape, I need to get out of here. Nobody cares, nobody, I won't be missed. And, you know, think about when we think about it from the biblical sense, what is Satan trying to keep you from getting to? Mm. He is trying to stamp it out right now so you don't get to wherever that joyful day is. What lies ahead of you that he wants to steal your life now for? Mm. I think you owe it to yourself to go get that life. And so that means rebuking and giving yourself the opportunity to live. And, and so the society, you got social media, you know, what we have learned to embrace as necessities are also in some aspects feeding such dysfunctions. And we, if we hold on to that, then we're gonna wake up and we're not gonna know who we waking up to be because everybody has spoken into what they think our life is about. So I am very tunnel visioned when it comes to my life. Yeah, I am, I'll be honest and tell you. It doesn't matter to me what nobody else thinks. I've earned the right to be who I am and I'm gonna be that person. Thank you so much for this conversation. I just appreciate, like I said, everything that you said to truly help people. Because again, there's so many people who are suffering in silence. They don't realize that their life matters. And they also can't process the fact that what they're going through right now, it really is temporary. It doesn't seem like it. Right. It feel like it. You can't understand it. But it truly is temporary. It really is matters and you deserve to be here and you deserve to be happy you're valuable you're needed a lot of people don't understand that so i definitely thank you for just putting that out there before we do end everything please tell people how they can find out more about your book where they can follow you on social media how they can contact you just okay. tell everybody how they can learn more okay so my book is in two places it's at my website i'm dolores e jordan my mother and i have the same name and it's Dolores, D-E-L-O-R-I-S. And you have to put the E because, again, that's the one thing that differentiates me and my, from my mom. Um, so it's at my website, but it's also at Yasties. And Yasties is an e-commerce store that I have, which stands for You Are Stronger Than Your Situation. And that's on all of my apparel. It's on all my product. That one message, it will never be any other message than that. And I send them out into the, the world hoping that, it will, they will intersect with somebody walking in front of them, walking behind them that, that necessarily 
will read those words and be infused with a spirit of resilience to not give up that moment, to believe in their ability to keep going. So, you know, so please don't jump us there. And when you go to YASDIS, YASDIS is the acronym for you are stronger than your situation. So YASTYS.com. Um, and as far as my social media, I think my Instagram is Dolores E. Jordan. And Yastis is Yastis Incorporate, Yastis INC under slash. Um, my email, I'm easy. You can come through my website or you can do info at Dolores E. Jordan. I really thank you so much for letting me come on and talk to you. As you see, I talk a lot about God, but I also talk a lot about living. And, um, and I'm hoping so much that as your listeners or your viewers get to see this, that anybody that's inclined to think they don't matter will rethink that because God was intentional in giving them life. And they owe it to themselves to live the best, to find out all the things he had in store for them as I have now doing and as I am continuing to do. And he's giving me these assignments and I'm, I'm just walking them out, Sharonda. I'm just walking them out. Thank you so much. And you definitely are living up to your assignment. Again, like I said, I definitely appreciate you. Thank Everything you. that you said has been really touching. And I really do hope that, you know, someone that listens or watches this who are in that dark place, or if they feel like they can't talk to anybody or they're dealing with because there's shame involved too when you think that your life isn't worth it. So I hope that they did pick up something in this conversation because I can't stress it enough. Your life really does matter. The pain is not going to last forever. And it's really, really, really hard to understand it while you're dealing with something. And I've been there. I've done that. I get it. But you really are stronger than your situation. Situations. Yeah. Give yourself credit. You deserve to be here. And if you're lonely, if you really feel like you're not supposed to be here, please pick up the phone, call the suicide hotline, reach out to someone. Just don't be ashamed because I know... I've had this conversation with a few therapists, your friends, your family, they would much rather you call them in the middle of the night, night instead right. of them getting that other phone call that you're no longer here. Right. So reach out. People love you more than you realize. So right. I just hope that, you know, if anything, someone that tunes in and listens to this would just to pick up some, some love from this conversation that you yeah. truly are loved you're valued. And again, the pain is only temporary. I know it's hard, but the pain is only temporary. So thank you guys again for this very special conversation for people that have listened and rocked with the key chat. They do know that mental health is something extremely important to me. Like I said, I deal with depression and it's something that we need to break down these stigmas, these walls. It's okay yes. to talk about what we're dealing with. And just like I say all the time, you know, we go to the doctor, we go to the dentist, but a lot of us are leaving our mental health to the wayside. Right. We have to take care of ourselves wholly. And your mental health does matter. You deserve to be happy and don't be ashamed. And if you're in circles that make you feel less than, it's okay to get a new circle. It's you need okay. positive elements in your life. You need people that's gonna speak into your life and they're not gonna make you feel ashamed for your situation. So again, thank you guys for just tuning into this special conversation. And just remember, you are stronger 
than your situation. So thank you again to Ms. Dolores E. Jordan. Thank and thank you all again for tuning into the key chat. And do remember if you if you are alone, you need help, do not hesitate. When I do edit this, I will have the suicide hotline phone number. Don't be ashamed or afraid to speak to someone. Again, you are loved and you do matter. So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you take care of yourself and of course, go love yourself. All right, that's in the must have did this beat. Are you ready to join the new workforce solution? Currently, many people are working from home. Right now, during the pandemic and also the recession, many Americans are finding flexible ways to earn a living and support their family on their terms. Many name brand companies utilize customer service in order to thrive. Little did you know that a lot of those agents are sitting at home just like you. Contact FlexPro today and learn more on how you can make money, earn a living, have flexibility, more time with your family on your own terms.